0: I love comics, but I've seen a lot of hesitation about them. I know there is more to comic books than what meets the eye, and I want to learn about and share all this medium has to offer. That's why I decided to get a group of friends who don't share my taste or opinions to help me experience it all. Together, we want to share what we find with every type of reader out there. So, listen up, nerds and future nerds. It's time for the VF Comics Podcast. after a short break we are back with the vf comics podcast and after just a one week break we have a ton of news to go over including comic-con at home and all the panels that we're planning on visiting we're going to talk a little bit about the ending of loki we're going to talk about what is being referred to as shut up money by creators at marvel comics and we're even gonna discuss a little bit about the upcoming spinoff to something is killing the children and the final thing we want to let everyone know about is that our patreon is live so we're going to talk a little bit about the tears and our plans for the future using our patreon this week i have with me meg hey and mallory hello hello hey mallory marcus is also here
1: (laughs) yeah just in case anybody forgot I don't know. He
0: sounds handsome. We should talk to him some more. (laughs) Anyways, so I want to get to the real meat and potatoes of this week's news by talking about the San Diego Comic-Con at home. If you're not into the know, you may not know that there is a large, humongous comic convention every year in San Diego. And last year's uh, was canceled in favor of a digital event. And this year, they've done the same thing. Now, they have moved a smaller physical event to November, but they're still going to do their digital event, Comic-Con at Home, this week. In fact, tomorrow, From the, if you're listening to this on launch day, starting tomorrow, you will be able to start checking out some of these Comic-Con from home events. So Mallory, Megan, and I each compiled a list of panels that we thought looked really Really interesting, and the reason that we did that is that there are a ton, and the only thing I know for sure is that most people think of this specific comic convention as a big movie kind of reveal convention, and Marvel and DC movies are both setting out, uh, setting out, they're both sitting out this convention, so you won't hear anything about Marvel and DC's upcoming live-action films, which that's fine um so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna let each of us talk briefly about some of the panels that we saw were interesting i know mallory and megan both found a few megan why don't you go ahead and start us off and tell us about some of the comic con at home panels that you're going to attend and watch on your computer this week
2: the first one i'm going to be talking to you guys about is psychology and pop culture and empirical adventure and i uh had to had to bring in the psychology one because that's just i enjoy that and i think it's going to be a good one so um this panel is going to be looking at pop culture and pop cultural preferences through a psychological lens um so during this presentation they're going to be reviewing results from 16 various research studies conducted by keith w beard april fugit Brittany black josh carter Casey Collins, Jake Bass, and Casey Kessler. Uh, these studies are going to be including topics such as Disney, superpowers, nostalgic cartoons, fandoms, and antiheroes, and uh, how, that, how our relationship with these um, variables influences our personality and our brains and how we tick, how we operate. So I'm very excited about this because it's psychology, and that's my favorite. So... It's yeah, your be major July. is
0: in psychology right
2: yeah, yeah yeah so super enjoy that um it's going to be July the 25th so if anyone is interested in that i'm 100% going to be watching so i'm i'm really pumped about that one so the one i'm most excited about i think is actually this next one it's netflix geeked masters of the universe revelation so are you guys excited about the new masters of the universe uh series that's coming out to netflix
0: i don't know anything about it. I know what? James is really looking forward to it. And I wish he could have joined us this week, but he's so busy. Because yeah. um, I think, well, I partially think, I think his dog ate his computer power supply. <laughs> so Aww, hopefully we get that fixed so soon. Sad. Um, but I was a big Transformers kid growing up, but I mm-hmm. never got into He-Man or any of that.
2: Okay. Well, uh- Let me tell you about it, and I think you will be excited, because the main reason that I'm going to be watching it is for one specific actor. So at this panel, Netflix and Mattel Television um, are going to present an exclusive sneak peek at the upcoming animated series, Masters of the Universe Revelation. And it has been nearly 40 years since the creation of the Masters of the Universe Television series. And uh, so this Friday, uh, July 23rd, the new series is actually coming to Netflix. And so this panel is going to be just in time for this series it's the panels on the 23rd and so this is why i'm so excited (laughs) mark hamill is voicing skeletor (laughs) um and so (laughs) that's yeah honestly that's it for me that's why i'm watching it but uh if you haven't checked out the trailer i definitely think you should go give it a look I'm hoping this creates some more buzz um, for just He-Man and the uh, He-Man universe and maybe get some new fans. I also am curious about the timing of this show. This isn't strictly speaking, talking about the panel, but um, this show is kind of coming out of the success of DreamWorks' She-Ra, which they're not going to have anything to do with each other. They're made by completely different people. But I wonder if that's part of the reason they decided to go ahead and make a new Masters in the Universe series. Um, I hope it does well. I loved she but again, they do look like very different TV
0: shows. So, I think maybe what has happened is that she just, she and I think some modern uh, adaptations of classic cartoons have been like, have come up with really clever, good ways. They've come up with very clever and good ways to present some of this some of this old television ideas in a modern way, and because mm-hmm. if you go back and look, at the end of the day, like your '80s cartoons were specifically toy vehicles, like you know, oh, He-Man. Yeah, sure. You know, He-Man got a new thing, Power Rangers got a new thing every season or every episode uh, because they came out with that new toy, and modern cartoons just don't do that as much or as strongly. And they put a lot more thought into the storytelling and there's so much competition. They have to, they have to tell a good quality story while also meeting those sort of like pop and toy sales. So I think she raw one, I think it gave them confidence in doing it, like you said, but then also maybe gave them some ideas of how to approach some modern things using a classic hero. Mm hmm. It's something that you know. It, I think is a concept that's comics has always done really well as a superhero comics. At least you look at you know Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, you know Spider Man. These are characters that have been constantly updated and changed somewhat to in order in order to continue telling stories, and they've done so successfully. The Superman of the 1940s is in many ways a different superman than the superman we have today um heck batman nowadays is almost unrecognizable to probably someone who grew up with him in the 60s <laughs> you know there's difference between christian bell and adam west
2: yeah so,
0: <laughs> so i think they're applying some of those things they've learned to cartoons and they i, I, I saw a trailer for this it looks really really cool
2: yeah, it does look good. So, if you're wanting a sneak peek at this, if you're excited about it, then. I mean, of course, the sneak peek. <laughs> it's coming out the day that the show is coming out, so I don't really know. I don't. Anyway, whatever. But, uh, sounds fun. I'll be at that one. Or viewing that one, rather. And then, uh, neurotic superheroes and the writers who love them. That's another one that I was really interested in. Um, again, kind of takes a look at some of the things that our more popular superheroes are kind of dealing with and why, as a viewer we or a reader, we find those struggles so compelling. Why Captain America's survival guilt and why Jessica Jones and Tony Stark's alcohol problems? Um, why is that something that interests us so much as a reader? And um, so I'm excited about that one. That's going to be with uh, Travis Langley and Danny Fingerroth.
0: Well, and I'll go ahead and point out Danny Fingeroth. It says that he wrote A Marvelous Life, The mm-hmm. Amazing Story of Stan Lee. And superheroes with real problems is, you know, it wasn't necessarily new when Stan Lee did it, mm-hmm. but it was still very novel. And he did it so well and so successfully. I don't, They could not have this panel without talking about Stan Lee's influence on comics. I mean, he built... Um, you know, Mar- he built Marvel's you know, m- most popular superheroes on this idea that he wanted them to be relatable connectable characters. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool that Danny Fingroth's gonna be there.
2: That's what I got at the end.
0: Well, that Sounds really, really interesting, and Megan, you did a terrible job.
2: Yeah, as um, usual. You guys no, better be there.
0: <laughs> Megan's going to be there, and she's looking for I'm you.
2: looking for all y'all. Oh, God, Actually, no. no. I can't I, bring yeah. my Southern out in this. <laughs> y'all all better be there.
0: <laughs> you did grow up in podunk nowhere.
2: Yeah, I, I um, did. It's, uh, it's fine.
0: So, Mallory, you look like you're interested in some very different stuff than what megan pulled up so talk to (laughs) us about the panels you checked out definitely like a
2: reflection of our personalities for sure absolutely which is fun i love that
1: yeah the one that like automatically caught my eye um is baking cupcakes angsty gothics and more romantic pro tags which is just kind of uh yeah it says way more about my personality than i really
0: like
2: to say
1: on a first date (laughs)
2: I re- yeah I read that and I was actually with Mallory we were uh, we were out getting boba and I read that and I was like oh my god this actually just described you
1: yeah, <laughs> like, it's like oh look Mallory you in a panel. <laughs> yeah uh, wow oh. so um it uh, th- it is <laughs> pretty much a discussion panel about um with uh, authors ar oh I'm gonna butcher this you got this. Capete? Capete? Capetta?
0: I was going to say Capetta. Capetta?
1: Yeah. Um, like Geppetto? Like Geppetto, but no. <laughs> <You're>
2: <laughs> Why are you listening to us?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why is anyone even here? Maybe
2: you're not. Yeah, Maybe yeah. this is just for us, and that's also fine.
1: Yeah, Shannon, uh, Garrity, Bridget, um, Kemmerer, Erica Riddle, and Emil Wen Zhao.
0: Er- Erica Ridley?
1: Ridley. <laughs> Erica Ridley. I'm reading this and still mess that up. I apologize. It's okay. It's okay. Um, And then it's, uh, they're talking all things romantic, and the moderator is Phil Stamper. And so I'm pretty, pretty stoked. I would definitely like to sit and listen to that, especially if cupcakes are involved. I don't know how cupcakes are involved, but they said cupcakes, and so I want to talk about cupcakes. Um, Yeah, I literally have no idea what
2: it's about, but the title makes me want to go. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever yeah
1: um it is um the author of perks um <laughs> uh, the perks of loving a wallflower are, are there. <laughs> the perks of being a wall <laughs> no of loving oh, a wallflower perks of loving yes, what is that it's a book what is that you should read oh, okay. it. okay i think it's a book it might be a comic don't don't
0: hold me to that <laughs> so uh, perks of loving a wallflower is a different book from perks, perks of, of being, being a wallflower yeah <laughs> yes. that's that's uh,
2: why they do
1: yeah.
0: By a different author and everything. I don't even know what. Yeah. That's rude.
1: It's, it's about romance novels. The whole thing is about romance novels. Whoa. Oh, well, that makes sense. I'm
2: I'll sorry. Read the,
0: I'll read the, the <laughs> thing from talking. Amazon. <laughs> Fans of Bridgerton will love this delightful Regency romp oh. in which a proper society miss recruits a very improper lady investigator in a quest for vengeance, only to find love instead.
1: Well, I mean. There you go. There you go. I like it. Yep, baking cupcakes, angsty gothics, and um romantic tags is uh going to be on the twenty third from four to five pm. If anybody wants to check that out, and then um another one that I was really interested in was Dark Horse Comics from page to screen and screen to page, and it is pretty much talking about the cross media tie ins, including with Stranger Things and Critical Role, Orville, Planets vs Zombies, and The Witcher. And it's a roundtable discussion with writers David Goodman, Jody Hauser, and Paul T- uh, Tobin about the process of adopting uh, others' works for comics. And so that I am um, a fan of Dark Horse. And so that would be something that that would, looks really interesting to me. So
0: That's really cool. And as a reminder, for uh, the day the episode comes out, I am going to post. It's going to be in our show notes on all of our podcasts. Uh, Apps, But I will be putting out an ad with a link t- so you can schedule your own and connect to your Google Calendar all of the panels that you'd like to visit. Mm-hmm.
1: And then um, another one that seemed interesting was um, the Will Eisner and the uh, Metropolis, which kind of talks about uh, the world that Will Eisner, his, his love of cities. But I forgot that they're doing a panel that's called The Incredible Impact of Dungeons and Dragons on Culture and Entertainment. And, um, yeah, me, I would probably be there with my polyhedral dice. Just to be honest with you. (laughs) Because it's D&D.
0: Nerd. (laughs) Nerd.
1: Yeah. So, but I will say that um, the actress and game master, uh, Deborah Ann Hall, is going to be there. And writer Andrew Crosby and Luke Gaigax, uh, the adventure games author and son of D and D co co-cre- co creator Gary Gygax. and they'll take a tour down down the uh, history and how it has related.
0: Every time I hear their last name Gygax, I'm like, what an incredible last name for the profession that you that you yeah. pioneered. Yeah. And your father pioneered, and that now you're a part of. Like, it's very there's good. something about it.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, it is pretty interesting.
2: I just remembered one that I didn't uh, mention. There's also going to be one about from with the cast. I believe the cast of the mysterious Benedict Society is going to be there. Mm, yes. And um, if you know those books, you know they're adapting that into a um, a show. Mm-hmm. And Tony Hale is going to be in it. In a I and I can't handle that because all I see is Buster Bluth from Arrested Development. Um, so I'm trying to yeah, imagine him where. in this. <laughs> Uh so uh, yeah I think that's going to be cool.
0: Speaking of that author is also from Arkansas and what? I believe lives in Little Rock.
2: What? What? So that's
0: awesome. we'll get on top of stalking him and yeah. get him on the yes, podcast immediately. Um, no, uh, is awesome. stalking's the wow. wrong word. Uh kidnapping um is better. Yeah yeah yeah, it's good. So yeah, um it's really cool. I I was informed of that just a couple weeks ago.
2: That's awesome. I didn't know that. It's
0: um, a very popular Books. Oh yeah, they are. Um, for the books, or sorry, for the book, <laughs> fart. For the panels that I <laughs> checked out, I picked out a, I think a lot more panels than y'all, but I'm just gonna go over them Uh-oh. uh pretty quickly uh because there's a lot of similarities between groups that I selected. For instance, on July 22nd, there are three panels that go back to uh my original passion during college and something I spent the last 10 years doing, and I now do at the library. And that's education. And on July 22nd, we're going to have a panel teaching and learning with comics, the science of art, which is going to be about how STEM use is used to inspire and create um, the most popular arts. And then graphic novels are the new textbooks is the third panel. And that one actually states modern dynamic teaching means thinking outside the textbook. So they've gotten several authors who have been putting things together and, and, and they've gotten several educators and an English curriculum director, and they're going to discuss how to engage students using comics in a very practical and educational way, which to me is awesome. That's what I want to see. I think it's important that we acknowledge that children are attracted to comics because they're, they've been told for forever that pictures are... Easy, so we want to avoid things with pictures. And so there's something accessible about comics, so you can put the same content into this medium, in this format, and all of a sudden, kids who wouldn't want to check it out might check it out. Plus, anytime you're dealing with history and something violent, you use illustrations of violent actions. Kids are just like, yeah, show me the blood and guts. Children are vicious animals, just like their adult counterparts. Um, so, um, I'm really excited about those three panels on July 23rd comics for justice. And I'll read It's quick synopsis, uh, calling all comics, artists, fans, and justice advocates. Do comics have the power to make a real change in the world? What is the effect of telling your truth in your art and comics panels? These artists have each been working in their own way to shed light on the human condition in some of the most troubled places in the world. Let's listen to what they have to say about their experiences and what they hope to achieve with their work. The moderator is Liz Francis, who's a publisher of Street Noise Books. And the panelists are Sarah Glidden, um, author, artist of Rolling Blackouts, Carlos Latloff, author of Drawing Attention to the Israeli-Palestinian Conflict, political cartoons by Carlos Latloff. Sarah Merck, who wrote Guantanamo, (coughs) Guantanamo Voices, True accounts from the world's most infamous prison, and Mohammed uh, Sebaneh, who wrote and illustrated Power Born of Dreams My Story is Palestine. So that's another really cool one. Semi connected to that is another panel on that same day called Diversity and Comics Why Inclusion and Invisibility Matter. And then a personal one of mine is DC Read With the Lights On. Uh, I know I pointed out recently, a couple episodes ago, that DC has a new horror imprint and their first book, The Conjuring, The Lover, has now released its second issue. And so we're going to get to talk about how DC is going to be crafting and the kinds of books that they're going to be making, not just under the horror banner, but horror in total. Because they're also having James the IV, who's writing the incredible Black Label book. Nice House on the Lake, also on the panel. So I'm really, really excited. That's going to be just a personal favorite. The last thing that I thought was really important, uh, when I was, a, it, it, it's called Comics Who Made Me Who I Am Today, Kids Graphic Novelists and Their Influences. And this panel is really important to me. And I think adults should definitely be watching this because when I was a kid, I made a promise to myself that in a lot of ways I wouldn't grow up and pick up the bad habits of the adults that I saw. And so I tried to stay inspired and not forget those feelings. Of course, like everybody else, I failed at that multiple times. And so I think seeing this panel and talking, seeing this panel and listening to these uh, graphic novelists and talk about their influences and their childhoods and even the things that they're writing for children today, I think could be very inspirational for a lot of people who don't want to lose the positivity that they had as a child. So this one looks really, really cool to me. And those are the panels that I'll be checking out uh, for comic con at home this year that I'm very, very excited about Uh, anything else you guys want to bring up or that you saw before we move on.
2: Well, now I'm crying. Ah, Thanks Marcus.
0: (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Um, so now let's move on to something that makes us happy and sad at the same time oh. it's a spoiler alert time because how could we not talk about the Loki finale mm. how can we just <laughs> let that pass us by I know I said I didn't want to talk about just superhero stuff but damn that yeah. show is so good it's and so good. the ending Um, for those <laughs> uh, so if you haven't watched and you tend to watch You need to go watch it and skip the next few minutes. Um, But in the finale of Loki, they meet the person who is runs the TVA and has been keeping all of time in a single timeline. And he doesn't seem like that bad of a guy. He seems like somebody who this is his. I'm going to do something bad so something worse doesn't happen. You see, he is they never say give you his name. So basically this person in the distant future met a bunch of variants of himself who were also able to cross the multiversal barriers and some were decent dudes and some were awful and it erupted into a multiversal war. And so at the end of the day, this guy decided it is better to keep a multiverse from existing than to put the multiverse at war in such a way we could talk about the right and wrong and the complexities and grace of that all day. Um, But that's what was happening. But after hearing that explanation, two characters who have worked to trust people and be better turned on each other. And Loki and Sylvie fought with Sylvie betraying Loki at the end by shoving him through back to the TVA and killing the person that was running time, thus unleashing the multiverse once again. So once again, a Loki sets up the next 10 years of events for Marvel <laughs> <Once> movies. <again. laughs> uh, incredible. Like, I love the ending. And the big surprise for me, the thing that, I, I you know, I was sad that Sylvie did that to Loki. You can clearly tell that she is not happy about it either. But then the mid credit scene says Loki will return for season two, mm-hmm. which, holy crap, mm-hmm. I cannot believe we're going to get a second season that they've locked Tom Hiddleston down, and there's going to be <laughs> more.
2: I'm so happy. I am too.
0: It's... I mean, there's so much more to cover. And oh, yeah. let's, I mean, and that includes the fact that, for whatever reason, Owen Wilson, Mobius, Agent Mobius... And the other people, at TVA, don't recognize Loki when he gets back. Oh, I don't. That I don't. So painful. What I happened? Don't,
1: I don't I, I know. Fan theory. Fan theory. A friend theory. and
0: I were trying to figure it out. Because of the nature of the TVA and where they exist,
1: I think but, it's a different universe. I don't think he got sent back to the original one. I think it's a different one because the 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 statues are different. There's the statues are well, of the guy. My, They're not of the timekeepers.
0: My understanding, though, is that the TVA exists outside of any of the timelines. I also have another. Yeah, I also, that's, also, that's heard, I have another theory so, about that as well. I mean, and like, and that's that's where it gets kind of crazy. Is that, that, well, the TVA exists like that. Did someone go rewrite TVA's his Personal history. There's just a lot. But what's really cool about it, as someone who watches a lot of time stuff, it was cool that the effects of whatever occurred were so immediate that in the brief amount of time that timeline started branching and she pushed him in, that it had already changed that. Because that's how time would work. Mm-hmm. Like, if someone goes back... Oh, excuse me. I don't know how time works. I'm not Albert Einstein. I'm not a <laughs> physicist. <laughs> this but, is how
2: time works. I'm
0: Marcus. Um, <clears throat> I know these Yeah. It's, it's really cool. I love this sort of stuff. It's just... It's good, It's man. just crazy yeah. cool stuff.
1: <sighs> I have too many fan theories about all of that. It's a lot. Oh, I just... So-
2: I was gonna say, what was I gonna say? Oh, yeah, no, I, I'm, you know, when I watch shows, I get very invested in like how people feel in mm-hmm. the show, and so I just couldn't stop thinking about that end scene over and over. And I was like, what would I even do if I were Tom Hiddleston in this situation? Yeah, because nobody knows who he is. Everything's broken. I would
0: just yeah. He did and they're not, they're just, give there's up. no way they're going to just let him roam around and no, do whatever he wants. No, they're not. Like, like, this is just
2: the actual worst
0: situation for mm-hmm. him. I do love that, based on the ending, it feels like they know exactly what they're doing in the Marvel movies overarching mm-hmm. for the next little while. Yeah, so. Which is something that I feel like the early Marvel movies, they didn't quite have down yet. You can really see that in Phase 2 and Avengers Age of Ultron. Like, there's some subplots that get introduced there that they just... Don't even yeah. touch. Like at the end of Age of Ultron, Thor's like, "I'm going to look for the Infinity Stones," but by the beginning of Thor Ragnarok, he's like, uh, I didn't find them, so I just went and did something else." Yep. <laughs> like, <Yep. laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm really excited. Do y'all have like a crazy fan theory um, that you've heard? Yeah, or I've got. Just one. want to make. Up? I've
1: got one. I've heard one that the TVA exists in the quantum realm.
0: Oh, which is why time
1: doesn't exist in the same way that it does in the multiverse huh. now. That's, all right, interesting. All right, all right. That's really cool. Yeah. And actually, I've seen parts uh, where they, where um, when Lang is falling in the quantum realm, you see a city in the background that now looks slightly similar to the overarching view of the TVA. <laughs>
2: Well, that's interesting. <laughs> huh. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Cool.
0: I have not dove much into this. Which I watch. I usually way too much TikTok. don't dive too <laughs> deep into these things mm. because I like being surprised whether it be by like a video game, yeah. TV, or like a medium. But that's also I'm I'm really lazy. It's why <laughs> I have brought people who know more about certain things to me on the podcast, so that way I can just keep being my normal reader self and then have you guys tell me things gotcha
2: that is is actually the opposite of what happens i feel like okay
1: (laughs) i'm glad that works except for for james yeah glad that works i could talk about
0: the superhero stuff all day james can talk about the industry but megan i wasn't aware that comics had a um uh what's that genre Uh, oh my gosh um oh memoirs memoir i didn't
1: Damn, and dude. apparently there's
0: a ton of them. It's so very, many. They're so good. It's, it's blowing up and they're so good. And I didn't know that was a thing. Yep.
2: yep. Well, that's why we're all here and doing this and it's good. Yep.
0: Yeah. I guess it's all right. All <laughs> right. But the next thing we we'll gonna move on to is I want to talk real quick. I just want to let y'all know about something real quick. And if you haven't been, if you've been reading something is killing children and we've been talking about it for a couple weeks so far, you should be interested to know that there is going to be a prequel spinoff called House of Slaughter. And you know, if you've read the book, you know that one of the main characters, their uh, last name is Slaughter. And that she, she introduces a lot of potential lore. Uh, that she's where a lot of the lore in the book comes from and her connections. And so there is another character in the first arc that they are going to go back and look at this character as a teenager and see them and the house of slaughter years before the events of something is killing the children. So really exploring some of the history behind the crazy stuff that James Tenyon has been creating. In fact, I didn't, until I read this article, I saw it over at Multiversity Comics. I didn't know that something is killing children was just going to be a mini series, but it was so popular. It turned into an ongoing series and it's huh. done so well that they've decided to do this spinoff. I mean, something that was probably wow. supposed to be a 12 issue run has turned into an ongoing with a companion. Like that is so
2: great. I'm that's happy for so them. successful. Not yeah. that,
0: I mean, James Tynion can, you know, Pretty much do whatever he wants at this point. <laughs> and I thought it was also interesting is that this was also one of the highest selling creator-owned comics of 2019 and 2020. Uh, it won an Eisner, a Harvey, and a Ringo Award all in the first year that it was being made. And they're adapting it right now for Netflix by Mike Flanagan and producer Trevor Macy, who both worked on The Haunting of Hill House and Bly Manor.
1: So oh, you know they're going to get
0: that tone perfect. right. <laughs> they're going to get that perfect. It's going to be spooky as hell. Um, but James Tynion, and I want to use the fact that James Tynion, being this being a creator-owned comic, to segue into the next thing. James Tynion has done what a lot of creators are suggesting and that you make a name for yourself with the big two, Marvel and DC, and then you move on to an independent or smaller publisher where you can have greater rights on the things that you Create Um, over at the Hollywood reporter, Aaron couch wrote an article about this and it's very important to us. So this might be the third or fourth time you've heard us talk about creators rights and how creators are not really getting compensated for the major success of their characters and storylines when they're adapted. Um, In fact, it's been said, and I thought this was really strange that DC compensates their creators better than Marvel does for adaptations. Um, in fact, his name is uh, the Lynn wine made more money from the dark Knight trilogy's use of Lucius Fox than he did for his co-creation of Wolverine in all nine films that Hugh Jackman was Wolverine.
1: That's nuts. That is absolutely that is, nuts. And
0: granted. and uh, Wow. It's been suggested. uh, Well, first off, there is an unnamed Marvel author who has called this shut up money that they are paying them because a lot of these creators are getting next to nothing until they make a big stink about it. And if they're not really big, they're not getting anything. So it's called shut up money so that way they'll shut up and stop talking about it. But I don't want to put DC on a high horse because DC is infamous for keeping. The name of one of the main contributors to the creation of Batman his in his entire mythos for decades until someone finally came forward and found someone who was Bill Finger. Bill Finger famously created most everything we know about Batman. And a documentarian went and found his living family and got them to fight DC, forcing them to credit Bill Finger in Batman so, so I don't want to, you know, even though DC seems to do better, let's not call them the good guys either. So James Tenyon has done, again, what has been suggested in that maybe making your name for, th- for yourself at these two big companies and then using your name to get rights on your very specific creations at a different publisher. It seems to be working for James the Fourth. And it seems to be working for a lot of other creators and artists. Um, Ed Brubaker in particular, he created the character of the winter soldier, the winter soldier and civil war are two storylines. Especially the winter soldier is something he's known for being writing. And he's received next to nothing
1: Hmm. for
0: being basically having his story that he wrote used to for this you know million dollar Franchise right And I get that the, you know he's That's how their contracts work so he Knows that going in But That's still shitty Yeah
1: no it <laughs> so just is. to
0: put it that way
1: You know the, I really would love to know how Like Sebastian Stan would feel About that from one type Of artist to another type of artist with this specific like character, like how, how he would feel about that. That's interesting. Sorry. It just kind of popped in my head of how, like how, how, mm, how the other side,
0: you know, I mean, he- if I were him, I would definitely be fine with criticizing the decision to not compensate him correctly. But Sebastian Stan also probably hasn't Heard a lot about Edward Baker, probably hasn't read a lot of comics, probably just isn't aware that that's an issue. And even if he was like, he, he's a working artist too. And honestly, like I said, a lot of our jobs, he's replaceable. If he hadn't done it, somebody else was going to. Yeah. Uh,
1: No, I just, uh, in not saying that he has any idea that this happens, like this has happened or is happening in the comic book world, not saying that he, you know, is just ignoring this thing. Uh, Sorry, I'm not calling out Sebastian Stan. Please don't cancel him. Um, It's I was just curious, like it's just something that I I would be interested in knowing, um, like how how the actors who are portraying these comic book characters, like if it was brought to their attention, how they would react. Um, It's just an interesting, you know, because if it was me, I would be I would be upset that the artist wasn't being compensated. That's just me, though. Absolutely. Yeah. You know?
0: The last thing that I want to talk about today, now that we've talked about everything else, is our Patreon is finally live. You'll find a Woo! link in the description cool. on your favorite podcasting app. You will find the link on our Facebook page and on our Instagram page. So right now we have three tiers and we're keeping it real simple right now. But the goal is to not change the price on any of the tiers, but over time include new... Uh, prizes and content for each of the tiers. So even though the tiers are now uh, future nerd at $3 a month, comic book nerd at $5 a month and comic book worm at $10 a month. And eventually we want to, we want to keep those prices right where they're at for forever, but we want to give more on each of the tiers because right now um, at $3 a month is just a general support tier and, It gives us a little bit and a little bit goes a long way right now because we're paying for hosting and we are paying for equipment and we'd love to get more equipment. Uh, The $5 a month gets you a patron shout out every month that you are a a patron for us on Patreon. So we will call out your name or anything like that. And honestly, I'm thinking about doing special messages. Um, So if you want to shout out to your mom, your grandma or your best friend or somebody you hate. Let's do something like that. Let's keep it not too vulgar, but maybe you got someone you hate that you know, let's listen to the podcast. We will do something for you. Um, And then on the $10 a month right now, it's still a patron shout out every month, but we're also going to let you monthly uh, answer a poll to help choose what we read and what we talk about each month. And there will be, when I get that up and going, there will be some joke, you know, kind of silly books that maybe we would never read and maybe no one should ever read. And we will read them and we will talk about it on the podcast that month. So you'll have a little bit of say in some of the content. Again, that's just the beginning. We're going to keep those prices at the same place, but we do want to include more more things for each of those tiers as we can build a following and get a little bit of money for better equipment and also for crafting equipment so we can have things that we can send to you and also so we can start putting together one of our first outside of podcast projects is a documentary about comic book shops and i've already begun working on that but we have a lot of equipment and time and things that we have to buy that it's going to take. And your support can make it happen faster, can make it happen better. And I'm really, really excited about it. Please give us your money. (laughs) 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 It's not going to Taco Bell. It is going towards (laughs) everything's going towards making the VF comics podcast better and allowing us to just put more different media out there. And if you have an idea of things that you'd like to see on our Patreon, make sure to drop us a note on Instagram or Facebook to let us know what sort of things you'd like to see under those tiers too. And maybe we can get those added as soon as possible. And that's it. I've given my spiel. I want to keep begging you for money and attention, whether it be on Patreon, Facebook, Instagram, or on your favorite podcasting app, reviews and everything. Mean the world to us, and they really help us stand out. So anything that you can give us, we will take, whether it be your money or just your time. Thank you so much for listening to VF Comics Podcast. We will see y'all next week for another new episode.